Good afternoon, this is Gary Kavner here on TRSI. I'm here today with my friend and colleague, Michael Dwyer. Today we want to run back through the stories that kind of caught our attention this week, and also play a little bit of inside baseball with uh, a little bit of news on the Phoenix. But we won't, uh, we won't start there. There are a couple of things to go in before we get there. I mean, the thing I think that we all have to admit over the last week is there has been a beautiful merging of the gene pools of Finifal and Finnegale as they move to a harmonious, beautiful government that will be good for the country and good for all involved. Frankenstein. On the other hand, well, not on the other hand, it's also positive. And we now know that the pension age won't be going. Also, remember, it's a threesome. That's true. They need to get the Greens in there. Mm. But they're, I have enjoyed the way they're talking about the... Um, the Greens. The Greens want a 7% reduction in carbon. And Michal Martin has said that that, uh, that can be done. And he explicitly referenced the space race and people saying that that couldn't be done. And then that was done. But I think during the space race, there were probably people who did think that could be done. Engineers and people who knew about things. like Werner von Braun, for example. Werner von Braun. Certainly thought it was possible. I, I did enjoy Dennis Nocton, uh seems to be just about the only politician willing to, who I've maybe been paying attention and noticed that this was now considered a possibility and pointed out that an, an annualized 7% reduction in uh, our emissions would result in the, how do you call desertification of the Irish economy. I mean, Gary, we're looking at Maybe a 10% contraction this year in the economy. A 22% unemployment rate. 22% unemployment. Which is going to be difficult because we were bringing up the pension age because we just couldn't afford it. When the pension age was brought in at 65, I think the average life expectancy was... 66. 66. Yes. And as people lived longer, it turns out pensions are incredibly expensive. Very, very expensive. But it just... We couldn't afford it when we had... 4% 4% unemployment. Difficult to see how we'll afford it at um, 22% unemployment. Honestly, Gary, I think the, the pension age thing is the least of our worries right now. It, the, between the Greens and the Fine Gael, Fine Fall, if you went back and looked at opposition spending proposals in the early 2000s, which was a time when virtually no political speech did not contain the phrase, with all the money in the country, why can't we, after that, it's a bit like a pr- those in- intercessionary prayers, Gary, where there's a, a, a bracket that says, here, insert the, your intercession. It was whatever it hell it wanted, you know. Uh, why doesn't Ballinrobe have an, at least two Olympic-sized swimming pools? Why are there not nine championship-quality Clay courts in Killarney. This, you know, with all the money in the country. Okay, we're the pension thing, right? The seven percent reduction in emissions, which will just wipe us out. A million electric cars, which means a million poor people with no cars, because electric cars are only going to get dearer because the subsidies are coming off. And when the subsidies come off, Gary, and you have to pay the real price of an electric car. Then you'll know all about it. No more fossil fuels at a time when we have the cheapest 
historic prices for oil and gas. We won't be allowed to use oil and gas, Gary. 500,000 houses to be retrofitted at a cost of... I mean, they, you might say, actually, five grand, six grand. No, 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 Gary. They're talking like 100,000 a house. So you're talking like... I mean, this is massive. It's you're being, you're being nice. unduly... You're being unduly pessimistic, Michael. What this country will need when one in five of people of the working population is unemployed is that we don't exploit a massively cheap fuel to allow you know energy costs to fall and therefore the cost of pretty much everything transported to fall. No, we need to bring those costs up and we need to increase the price of housing. And I mean, on, the, um, on that perspective, the government will be... Uh, would be fantastic. I am starting to understand how the Great Depression happened. I think we, uh, Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, with the influence of the Green Party, have managed to put together a policy document that I have not seen the like of in Irish history. It could legitimately bankrupt the fucking country without any great difficulty if they actually achieve any of it. And now they're all sitting around going, we've done a good job. This is the equivalent of like putting the pill, the cyanide, strychnine, arsenic, all into the one pill. Now, and let's not forget, <laughs> this minor shite, like, they're going to change the protections of private property in the Constitution. Which is going to be very helpful when we bankrupt the country. Yeah, which will, inter alia, by the way, do absolutely nothing. To create affordable housing in this in in this country, zero negative zero, uh, but it will you know they they'll have done something. Oh look, we're up for the poor. Jesus, do you know what the you, uh, the Great Depression hits right guy back in the in after Hoover the, and Roosevelt, the great hero, the great hero of the progressive left. Do you know there were two things that I mean, many 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 things he did that were just barkingly wrong and mad and horrible but just in the context of a very a country where millions and millions of people are, are unemployed where wages have collapsed people are poor and they're desperately it's desperately hard to feed their families two of the cent, two central planks of roosevelt's policies were for example he set a not a not a maximum price but a minimum price on food so that as a result across america they ploughed potatoes and other food back into the ground because the market wouldn't supply with them. They put minimum a minimum price on chickens so that you ended up having a Supreme Court case where chicken butchers, the Schecters, were being prosecuted in New York for selling chickens below the official price. Or people who, who were tailors were being told that they had to put a minimum price on putting a button on a fly or, or uh, dry cleaners. And they'll do that here. I guarantee you, we're on the way. I mean, yes, Roosevelt did many bad things. But on the other hand, he is America's most successful fascist president. Oh, very. And would have still been there uh, had it not been the fact that do he you died. you Michael, that some people accused him of racism? You mean because he introduced federally mandated minimum wages which would and introduced in a manner that all uh, anybody who wanted to get any kind of federal subsidy would have to use union labor 
so that only union labour was used across the country at a time when no trade union, which he knew perfectly well, no trade union would would allow uh, black members because black members were competing on price. So we went from a situation before, the year before, where his, since the Civil War, average unemployment amongst black men had been below the national average. He introduced his laws and the average unemployment rate for black men has been above the national average every single year since Roosevelt. So yes, I think there are people who have accused him of I racism. Mean, I, was, I was more speaking about the internment camps. Oh, and of course the, the, the White <laughs> yes, House. Yes, the 120,000 Japanese expatriates and uh, American citizens who of Japanese ancestry who he confined to internment camps. Oh, and then the, the Jesse Owens thing as well. Yes, indeed. Yeah, it was interesting that if you're Japanese, like your granddad was Japanese, your dad was Japanese, you got interned, even though you were a native-born citizen. But say if you were, your granddad was Italian, or your dad was Italian, and they were actually part of the Axis, if we remember, or Romania, also part of the Axis, Finland, fighting Russia, they not, none of them got uh, picked But the Japanese, it's hard to understand why that was. God, I mean, what could if it only, have been? If only there was something. If only there was some characteristic you could pick out. I don't know. It's a bit of a mystery, Gar. Bit of mystery. Uh, of course, remember, it was the Democrats who had insisted, and right off in the late 20s, that there were, uh, you had no mixed dining in the houses of Congress and stuff. Republicans obviously opposed that kind of thing. We, we forget that kind of thing these days. But no, oh, it's it, it's I don't know, I don't understand, Gary. I don't, you know, I would have thought the journalists are kind of tired about writing about COVID nineteen. How have we not had at least the odd small explosion or detonation of? Are you fucking serious? I have seen them, but they seem to be coming from Finnegale and Finnefalman members, who are just looking at what's being produced, going. So we've taken the worst of everything either of us could have proposed individually, and then it looks like we'll also agree a 7% year-on-year reduction in carbon across the Irish economy on top of that. Yeah. Well, you know how it's going to be financed, Gary? Um, incredible levels of debt, I think, will be the answer there. Well, you, you call it debt. It actually won't really be debt. Because we have decided, apparently, not just in Ireland, but collectively across the Western world, we have decided to believe in magic. We have decided... Mike, I'm, I'm just going to ask you now, is the ERSI involved in this somehow? <laughs> or Nevin? Oh, God. But the SRI, I wouldn't have thought it was particularly their bag, but ne- possibly, certainly. I sh- Task, I would imagine, Task is knee-deep in it. And many others. And then you've got Nevin as well. Nevin, definitely. I mean, the, For those who don't know, that's the Nevin Economic Research Institute. Because apparently, Gary, and I'll say this slowly so I understand it myself when I say it, a government can print all the money it likes, or indeed if it was controlling the central bank, lend itself all the money it liked. But because it has control of the printing presses, the government can't go bankrupt. <clears throat> and all you have to do is just print more money 
and kind of lend it to yourself, but at negative or zero interest rates, which inflation over time will erode, and it'll all be fine. Because nobody has ever gotten in trouble by just printing loads and loads and loads of paper money. That's never happened. Ever. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Well, I mean, it looks like com- countries that have done that have gone bankrupt. But there's always some other thing. Probably local... Uh, you know, what, what do you call those people who, who from a, a foreign government who go into an economy and... Bl- saboteurs. Probably got saboteurs working within the economies, and that's what really damn Like in Venezuela, it's all American saboteurs. Or in Zimbabwe, which was American saboteurs. You, you're talking about modern monetary theory, MMT. Sometimes called new monetary theory. Mm-hmm. Sometimes called voodoo. Sometimes called voodoo, but it, it's popping up more and more. I saw David McWilliams talking about it recently <laughs> um, because it's a new hip idea and therefore a David McWilliams idea. But you know, you say it's a new hip idea, Gary. When this came around first, I I was at Kilkenomics uh, and they, somebody gave a 10-minute precy of it. And I think it may have been the absolute, the wonderful Deirdre, what's her name? Deirdre Mac something. You know who I mean. The American economist. Philosopher. Um, philosopher, historian of economy, economics, former mountain climber, possibly used to be former man. Used to be a man. Deirdre, you probably Irish opened name. with that. An Irish name, McCluskey. McCluskey, yes. If you had opened with the used to be a man, that would really narrow it down. Yeah, well, it's a bit like going to Rome and there's only one black guy, and you say, "Have you seen? Have you seen Andy?" And you say, "Which one is Andy?" You don't like to say the black guy. It's a, the guy in the red shirt with the hat. You don't want to go... Which they will say, the black guy. Well, and, The only black guy here. As, as, as a, a black friend of mine once said to a, another, when we asked a question about the other, the other black guy in the room, and your man went through this torturous, everything tall, short, and eventually Romario got it. And he looked at him, completely puzzled, and said, without any irony, why didn't you just say the black guy? <laughs> well, I... I uh, Terribly embarrassed. So, yeah, McCluskey may, described this, and I remember at the time, she described it quite accurately. And at the time, not regarded as a new hip idea, it was regarded as laughable, genuinely laugh-out-loud funny. But now, apparently, what's the phrase? The tectonic plates of orthodoxy have shifted? Well, that's that's the way the journal described it. Oh. I don't know. I, 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 I'm going to paint my face blue and do the, the dance. The core idea of MMT is that if you have a fiat currency, if you have your own currency, and you can never really become insolvent, you can never go bankrupt if all of your debts are in your own currency, because you can always print more money, which is one of those things which is technically true in that you can always print more money and you don't ever have to declare bankruptcy. But not quite correct in that you can just cut the legs out of your own economy by doing it. And then, you know, take a lead pipe to it. The thing is, Gary, you have to buy stuff from other people. There are going to be things outside of your own country you're going to need to buy and import. And if you go along with your currency, your own, and other people may say, no, uh, I'd prefer to be played in Gambian pesos. Or Australian whatevers. Yeah, this is, I think, the problem that Venezuela found when they started introducing 
different exchange rates and effectively different currencies. And they had to, they had several all at the one time. But yeah, traditionally, the printing of money has been seen as rather a negative thing. If your economy is completely discreet and not connected in any way to any other economy outside of it, all you've done is just change the numbers of the notes. You haven't really done anything else. Because the, the, just, the proportion distribution of the notes remains the same. But the problem is that no economy actually is like that. And all you just do is you make your money worth less and less until we have those lovely scenes where people are running around with wheelbarrows full of currency. My favorite, you know the phrase that it's not worth the paper it's printed on? That actually happened in Venezuela. They had to, because they don't produce uh, paper of a quali- the quality that you want for currency, they were importing the paper. And it got to the point where the paper was more expensive than the currency it was producing. So it was actually not worth the paper it was printed on. But it's becoming very popular. And God help us, that's where most of the left-wing think tanks are going now. That's where Philly Gale and Vina Vaughan are going. Well, yeah, we have a government that is going to have a 20% unemployment rate and all of the good things, none of the bad things, they will spend, they will build, they won't raise taxes, they won't raise the pension age. Uh, We'll cut the production of carbon by 7%, which may actually be shockingly easy when they bankrupt us, <laughs> which I suppose at least the Greens will get something out yeah, of this. Yeah. I, I do wonder uh, a little bit what the Germans will think of all of this spending and not saving and not taxing, particularly when I, and when I say the Germans, I mean the, the European Central Bank, because, of course, we don't have the option here of just printing money. And I think if somebody comes up to the Germans and said, La, Lance, let's just print money, the Germans' response is going to be, would you just fuck off? Yeah, we've done that. We don't like that. We I don't do, do, do deficit spending. Because when the Germans say, no, we've we've seen what printing money does, because we did that in the run-up to World War Two, And it wasn't great, that wasn't great. Because MMT has some very exact refutations of the idea that... Uh, Printing money causes hyperinflation. And McWilliams went through a lot of them in his recent article. He also suggested that people who disagreed with him were responsible for the rise of Hitler, so I don't know <laughs> how seriously we should take that. <laughs> oh, God, get your retaliation in first. That's brilliant. Oh, he's not just a haircut, Gary. I don't care what you say. He's not much more than a haircut. He's a good speaker. I'll give him that. Uh, I have never met McWilliams. Every economist I know who's a serious economist, and even if I don't agree with them, is just is a sound kind of person. Not a single one of them I know who's met McWilliams speaks well of McWilliams as an economist. But a lovely chap, I'm sure, and a charming You man. just, yeah, yeah, sometimes. Um, no one <laughs> seems terribly sure he has any idea what he's talking about. But he's published lots of books, and he's on the telly. So he must know loads of stuff. Yeah. You don't get a haircut like that, Gary, just by hanging around in the doll queue. I mean, he certainly paid more than we are to give his opinion. Oh, my God. You want to talk about hyperinflation? You're talking exponential growth. That's an exponential graph. The difference between zero and one. Then again, I suppose the question is, have we been right more than he has? Well, I think we've been on the right more than he has. Oh, 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 boom, boom. 
<laughs> a little bit of comedy there. Yeah, I'll just I'll I'll see if I can add a drum track into that point. <laughs> Anyways, that's the big news of the week. The big news of the week is having been destroyed. Uh, well, no, having been softened up by a pandemic, you know, beaten around the place and battered and bruised. The good news is that our own government is going to do finish the job. Which I mean, maybe it's better that rather than a slow bleed out, we have the. Kind but gentle beating of Finnefall, Finnegale, and whatever policies they've decided to adopt to get into government with one of the uh, third parties. It's a bit like being beaten by a sock full of wet sand. You know those things where it's supposed to not leave bruises above but only below. Now, I just do wonder though, you know, I, I grew up in a country which was poor and unemployed. And we thought maybe it was always going to be like that. You're kind of, we're kind of thinking, would we have been as well off not bothering having the sort of the, the growth and the economy and the, all that stuff if this is what we're going to do with it? This, Gary, this is, Gary, this is why you can't have nice things. Dave McWilliams? No, all of us, the Irish. No, I meant is Dave McWilliams responsible for why we can't have nice things? No, no, so the we, we, we are responsible. Because ultimately we are responsible for Damon McWilliams also. There wasn't a, if there wasn't an argument for him or an, a market for him, then he wouldn't be on. He wouldn't be there. There's a market for Eddie Hobbs. Anyway, Gary, what else is happening in the world? At Taiwan, Taiwan. Well, it is Taiwan. Well done, Taiwan. Yeah, we had the Minister of Health uh, for Taiwan in gripped there yesterday, talking about how uh, well Taiwan had done against COVID nineteen and why the WHO needed to let Taiwan in so that it could um so there would be no you know chinks in the mail against the next pandemic. What what do you mean let let them in? Oh well the World Health Organization doesn't recognise Taiwan. Hold on now uh so okay, well that makes sense. WHO is a representative body of the United Nations, yes? Yes. And the United Nations is the highest expression of the human ideals of of peace uh, prosperity and human rights, yes? I mean, some would say that, but I couldn't possibly comment. Yeah, okay. And does that make sense? Because you've got China and Taiwan. One is a prosperous, free, democratic country. The other is a repressive, brutal, totalitarian dictatorship. Yes, but you see, the Republic of China, which is Taiwan's actual name, yes, uh, lost its seat in the United Nations to the People's Republic of China, in 1971. You see, that's what happens when you, sell, you send a small ambassador. People need to learn the lesson. Big ambassador, you get into a fight, you keep your seat. You don't want to send small ambassadors, Gary. You'll end up getting pushed out by bigger lads. Anyway, 1971. 1971. But, uh, yeah, they basically made the argument that it would be nice if the WHO would start responding to their letters. Did you see the list of new appointees to various United Nations organizations published this week. I saw some of them. Uh, did you notice that there was a any one particular country represented rather widely? Would it be China? It would be Gary, and I'm. I think the idea that the United Nations facing the barrel down the barrel of gun of the of the the Americans not paying for it anymore. The only other people that might pay for it being the Chinese. I think they're the likelihood of them saying anything nasty about China. Also, remember, China has basically colonized Africa and large chunks of 
Micronesia and Polynesia. So they, they've collected all these countries. There's no chance that there's ever going to be a vote that's going to allow Taiwan any kind of recognition. No, no. Although the uh, the issue, Africa is going a little bit badly for them at the minute because of, you know, the rampant racism of Chinese society, uh, which Africa seems to have been reminded of by all of those videos of black people in China being refused entry to everything. Yeah, but they, they were in China. In um, Taiwan, this week donated um, a fair amount of PPE to Irish nursing homes. Mm-hmm. It was uh, over 12,000 gloves, 400 goggles, 300 protective gowns, and I think about 500 masks, which is handy of them because it goes 3, 4, 5, so it's easy to remember. And this was to the nursing homes? To the nursing homes, yeah. Which is uh, nice directly. of Taiwan to do that. The kind of thing that the Irish government wouldn't do. So, kudos to Taiwan. <laughs> oh, Michael. <laughs> Such a cynic. Yeah, it's sad, isn't it? Somebody so young and so cynical. But it is good to know an organisation looked at the fact 60% of our COVID deaths are in nursing homes and uh, said perhaps we should give them some gear. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so, that was the Irish, um, the Taiwan Ireland Association. Nice of them. Taiwan is really coming out of this quite well. Very well. Turns out all you need to regain the world's favour is for your enemy to start a global pandemic through its own incompetence. And you, and you, and then and you try not. and cover it up through its control of international institutions. It also helps if you have been sort of jumping up and down and, as it were, on the side of, the, of on the banks, waving around, going, "Hello, something bad is happening over there," and nobody hears you. But afterwards, they go, do you know what? That guy was jumping up and down trying to get our attention. Yes, and now the world has collectively gone, you know what? Maybe China wasn't the upright world citizen we thought it was. Taiwan, what do you think about this? Taiwan. Just a smiling man going, oh, I've got some stuff to tell you. Would you like to read my book? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Taiwan will now go on on a world tour of you know, chat shows. Taiwan on speaks to Jonathan Ross and Graham Norton. Taiwan does the Taiwan does the late show with Letterman. Yeah, just be Taiwan going. You know, when we ruled the mainland, we didn't harvest religious prisoners no. for their organs. General Sheikh Chiang Kai Shek was deeply opposed to that kind. We just of thing. shot people. Yeah, and that's just good and decent. Straight up on mm. the wall, bang, gone. Leave a body for the families. <laughs> yeah. And don't even charge them for the bullet. No, no, that was the Japanese thing. So yeah, the uh, the Taiwanese grand bunch of lads. <coughs> grand bunch of lads. So yeah, I like that story mostly because I totally missed it in the Irish newspapers. Did you? Did you? Did you note? Did you notice this complete absence from the Irish papers? You know, Michael, I kind of did. There you go. That's uh, it's funny because there's so much news out there. You'd... It's almost like um, China. And Chinese companies and the Chinese embassy are a massive source of uh, advertising revenue for most of the large newspapers. And therefore, it would be quite an editorial decision to publish something negative about China or positive about Taiwan. You know, it's like, it's one of those odd, funny things where some journalists pointed out that the Irish media and RTE seem to be far more obsessed with the doodads and brickbats of Donald Trump than the activities and the responsibilities 
of the of China and the Chinese Communist Party. And when he made this point, he they got lashed for being for what aboutery? Perfectly reasonable observation to make, but apparently no. It's what aboutery? And what aboutery apparently is a very bad thing. Yeah, they're not great on Asian news in general. Well, you know, I do. I find that I if I try and get the Jerusalem Post and the Hindustan Times every day to keep myself up to gear. The diplomat is pretty solid in. Uh, is there a great day for Taiwan? Jack Chambers, another Fianna Fáil man, staunch Fianna Fáil man. Yes. What's... In the Independent today. Weirdly enough, at nearly exactly the same time, an incredibly fawning profile of Michal Martin appeared. Mm. What's Jack at? Well, Jack is telling us uh, why we need newspapers, Michael, and how newspapers need to be protected, and are in many cases very similar to frontline healthcare workers. Mm, that they they need gowns and gloves. But the I don't I'm they're heroes of I got this whole hero thing you know you you want to put chips in them uh, I I you, I need more information. Michael, it is not good enough to say that we do not have a special responsibility to protect journalism. Well, I think journalism has a responsibility to respect journalism, and unfortunately, journalism has dropped the ball on that one. And you know, putting aside long-term funding, which must be addressed. The government needs to announce targeted measures to protect these information streams. Well, I think he's right there, Gary. And I think the first thing we need to decide is, when we change the names of the Times and the Independent, which one should be Pravda and which one should be Izvestia? In fact, we need the establishment of a print media unit to coordinate the government response and to maintain local media during this period. Well, I, An emergency yeah, fund I think that's would allow newspapers to continue presenting factual and relevant public health information in their communities. I think that's really good. And I think I personally would certainly be reassured by the knowledge that the the news media in my country, between the print media and the electronic media and the television, was utterly reliant on money from the government to stay. That would, that would make me feel much more confident in the independence and the investigative force and energy that the news media had to know that the government was backing them up with their money. It's worked so well previously. How could anything where government money, which is at the control of the government of the day, is the existential lifeblood of an industry, how could that give you any sort of soft power or sway over an industry. Well, no, Gary... Ridiculous come, to no, suggest. No, hold on. Coming in here with your the fancy... theories of a pessimist. You're coming in here with your fancy Gramsci words like soft power. No. Now, the fact is, yes, it's true that in other countries this may not have worked. But I think that we would all agree that the politicians in Ireland in Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael, Labour, the Social Democrats, the Greens and maybe some of the independents, are not the kind of people that would ever expect a, a quid pro quo. No, no. But, but it's good to have friends, You know, Michael. we've never had that kind of small circle incestuous politics in Ireland where one hand washes another and everybody knows everybody else and rubs their back and other parts. No, thank God we're open and transparent 
and that would never have negative consequences. And no one, like, no one would ever call a newspaper, say something incredibly serious had been found out that could damage a government, and point out that their funding was up for review soon. Like never happened with RT or the BBC, for example. The other thing that's really good about that is that it, it wouldn't in any way impact on competition from emerging alternative media sources. No, although we we are you know, biased there. No, no. I can assure you, we are not getting funding. <laughs> now, I want it to be clear, Gary, that both from the point of view of this podcast and of our connections with the Edmund Burke Institute, if anybody does want to corrupt us or fund us, we are available for conversations at any time. We will go to you, legal restrictions regarding the pandemic allowing. But that's just good old-fashioned private sector dealings. So Lawless basically wants to pay for the... The papers are going out of business and Lawless wants to buy them. They're suffering because there's no really... It's a weird situation for newspapers because there's a ton of news. It's almost all about COVID-19, so it's incredibly boring to write. Yeah. But it's also easy to write and people will read it because God knows people will read anything about COVID-19. But newspapers are mostly held up by advertising, not subscriptions. And there's not much point advertising at the minute not for much. most companies. No, no. So the government basically wants to uh, prop all of these companies up. And if you, dear listener, have been looking at the coverage of the government's response to COVID-19 and thinking it seems a bit weirdly positive, nearly manic in a lot of senses, then this was coming a long time. So that somewhat explains why they've been so positive to the government and why, should this come in, they will continue to be positive towards the government because otherwise they won't have jobs. Well, they'll be positive, Gary, except when certain... when things happen that absolutely have to be called out, the really important things, I mean... As Lawless says, you know, we need really cutting-edge, proper database journalism, like like the kind of journalism you get from Kitty Holland. I saw that, I saw her on t- a tweet from her on Twitter the other day, and I thought, fine, I'm, thank God we have people there who still have the courage and the insight to see these things, because sometimes they're missed. There was a panel, Gary, on talking about mental health issues of experts, psychiatrists, mm-hmm. psychologists how to deal with the mental health problems that may occur also in young people during this time of pandemic. Gary, four experts, four men, four white men. Kitty had the courage to say it. She said, for God's sake, not a woman, not a person of colour. You've got to do better. You know, I mean, I mean firstly, that's I, absolute, I, I do mean, have to say, applause. that is very cis-normative of Kitty Holland. She doesn't know how any of those people identify. Well, she may know them, Gary. I don't know, but it's possible. Yeah, I think it's she's. Possible I think she's made right. assumptions about how they identify on their based upon their appearance and bearing, which is a grotesque. Uh, well, that's undertaking. that would be that would be a fairly horrible stereotyping, a form of racism, really. Mm. 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 That hadn't occurred to me, and I want to thank you for calling me out my error, Gary. And I'm going to examine myself later critically to see how that I didn't rec- I, that I hadn't considered that these people may identify and may indeed 
you know, absolutely be fluid in both gender and ethnicity. I think the the only the only way to get through this, Michael, is uh, if you submit to mortification of the flesh. Hmm. Hmm. Chalk aces. Anyway, what? not traditionally, no. No. <laughs> More whips. Whips. Uh, would I have to make a whip? Kind of a walnut whip. I think there is a version of the walnut whip that doesn't have a walnut, which is just referred to as a whip. So I'm sure you could do that. When I was a kid, the walnut whip... Although I don't know if that would fly in Opus Day. ...was the absolute top of the pyramid of the chocolate-based sweet treat. It remains the top. I mean, it was savage money. And a bar of chocolate, like a small bar of chocolate, was five pence or something. Like a walnut whip was like 30. It was mad money. But it was just the thing. It was the dog's proverbials. I mean, even above a Toblerone. No. Here's here's one fun thing, though, Michael. Go on. Now, I find this particularly fun because I got to write about someone who's written about me. Who da? The Phoenix. Um, I think the Phoenix is great, and I support the Phoenix. And I think people should buy the Phoenix. And I, I actually do have a subscription to the Phoenix. You know, I think the... Uh, Pandemic is a good time to support magazines. It's funny, and it's good stuff. Buy the Phoenix. I, I do have a subscription to the Phoenix. But then I did recently hear someone say that the Phoenix is primarily subscribed to by people who think the Phoenix might write about them, and I did feel personally attacked. <laughs> there is that a... is exactly why I subscribe to the Phoenix. They wrote an article about me. There is a greater truth to that, actually, isn't there? The tr- that's why I subscribe to them. <laughs> What's happening in the Phoenix, Gary? So the Phoenix have covered myself and the EBI a couple of times. I think you've gotten brought up as well, Michael. Oh, once. I was once, in a, years and years ago. I, I remember taking an interview on the phone after Mass one time, a hundred years ago. Oh, they, they, they asked you, because any time they've written about me, they haven't bothered to ask me. Yeah, well, that was a different time. I mean, literally 20 years ago, that was a different Oh, when the Phoenix had standards. I don't know. It may have not had standards. It may just have had staff. <laughs> That's important. So the Phoenix it, the Phoenix sacked a woman called Evis Short, who was their newly appointed, well, now the former newly appointed, deputy news editor and journalist with the Phoenix magazine. Okay. And she had um, been self-isolating. She thought she could have COVID-19. Her symptoms matched. In the end, it turned out to just be a bad flu. But the company got rid of her when she was out sick because she was on her probation uh, because she had just gone to the Phoenix after having spent two and a half years at um, Silicon Republic. That's a bit rough. Yeah. So they let her go. They curried her. They they had her stuff thrown into a cardboard box and curried it over to her while she was ill and um, locked her out of everything. And then they began advertising for an urgently needed replacement for her. Which they described as an unpaid internship requiring five years of experience. Well, I suppose if you're going to get somebody for free, now is the time to look for one. But And then, unfortunately, Miss Short took to Twitter to point out that the position they'd put up was exactly her job spec. And then people started turning up saying that she should bring a case against the Phoenix or they would sub- cancel their subscription if the magazine didn't explain itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, they edited the advertisement and then they pulled it. And then now the, the editorial team have come out and said that they had no, that they weren't involved in that. That was, that was the management team 
and the Phoenix's Twitter account has said that that was a data input error. Okay. Because, of course, they didn't have an intern to sack. So mm. they had to blame it on data input. Now, I did. I love the way she described this. She, um, she, she said she had to, she crawled down to the ground floor to pick up her belongings from the courier. And she was like, oh, I must say the experience of crawling down while I was ill was pretty devastating, exclamation mark, which just made it seem really jaunty. <laughs> Actually, honestly, I, I, the thing that surprised me about the story was the fact that the, the Phoenix had a deputy news editor and that it had an editorial staff. And I, honest to God, I imagined that the, editor, the, the Phoenix was like a man and a boy. It seems to be full of people. Uh, apparently, it's it's got a good bit of staff. I, I I did have a look at their company accounts. They are in shit. Like their accounts are in pieces. So I think they may have actually just they may have felt that they had to do this, and she was on probation, so they felt they could do this. But I I got to write uh, an article which was headlined: "The Phoenix sacks deputy news editor as she lies ill, tries to replace her with unpaid intern." <laughs> I also got to describe them as Ireland's premier source of news, just about correct enough to avoid legal action. <laughs> well, it, I think Ireland's premier source of news is probably where they leave. They'll leave the quote when they're doing it for their back page blurb. Anyway, yeah, it needed to be done, but I also enjoyed it. I'm sure you did. And, and I'm sure the next time I come up in the Phoenix. I look forward to the next time you come up in the Phoenix, in fact, I was about to say, that may, that, that'll be fun. Actually, I saw a number of uh, journalists talking to Miss Short on Twitter and saying that if it was anyone but the journalist, but the Phoenix, they would cover it. <laughs> but the underlying assumption seemed to be that the Phoenix would remember this and would go for you the first chance it got. Now, I wouldn't like to assume anything of such a prestigious rag. But yeah, no, I would fully expect that, because that's what they're like. Well, allegedly. Anyways, that's, that's a, lovely, a, lovely, a lovely insight into the world of your life and Irish media. Anyway, happy Sunday. The weather is supposed to be improving, so stay indoors and watch it from a safe distance. That's my advice. Otherwise, mind yourselves and stay safe, and we shall be back during the week. All the best.